Welcome to Clydesdale Media, fueled by C4, Cellucor, and Extend. Use the code Clydesdale to get 20% off the checkout at c4energy.com. On Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the widest array of content here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notifier so you first know when new episodes are available. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast, where we are taking some time out to focus on all of the great athletes who have qualified for the 2023 CrossFit Games semifinals. And we are honored to have with us Philip Muscarella. Philip, what's going on, man? What's happening? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So you are live from the garage gym? Yes, sir. We call it Muskie's Kitchen. We got a sign in the back there. It's lit up. If it's lit up, you know we're, we're in here working. But uh, one of my clients got me one of that sign. Um, another one of my clients named it Muskie's Kitchen. So that's the, that's the tag name we're going with. Nice. Someday you, when, you, when, you make, when you win the CrossFit Games, you'll have to get it affiliated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of those days. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, it's a good tagline for me because my family is a big family. And uh, in, our, in the back, in the heyday, we were called, like, they just called us musky. So um, it's caught on and it's stuck. Yeah, love it, man. Love it. So you, you've been playing sports your whole life. You played football, you played baseball, but you were, your main sport was soccer. Was that your first love or just what you were best at? Um, yeah, soccer was, soccer was the staple in my life. Like I, I, I grew up playing soccer. I, it was my love to answer your question. I started with soccer when I was like five or six. I started playing competitively when I was like eight or nine. And then I didn't play any other sports um, until I was like in middle school. In middle school, I played baseball. And then in high school, you know, just socially, I, I wanted to play a couple more sports. Um, so I played football and baseball, but soccer was always my main, my main sport. And that's the one that I was most competitive in. And that's the one that I, uh, ended up choosing to play collegiately in and, uh, ended up playing a short stint professionally as well. Yeah. It's not every day we get a pro athlete on the, on the broadcast. So you played in the USL. That's correct. Yeah. What was that experience like? It was, it was, um, it was hard, honestly. Um, like, like I said, I, I played football and, and soccer in high school and I had to decide what sport I wanted to play in college. So that was my, my main decision. And what it boiled down to for me was what can I play the longest, like health wise, um, where or what sport do I have a chance of making an impact uh, immediately. Like I wanted to play. I didn't want to like wait around for my senior year to play. And then um, the third part was what type of education I could get. So I ended up choosing soccer and I attended Santa Clara University, which is a private Jesuit school in Northern California, the Bay Area. And from there, um, I played all my four years there, ended up captaining, captaining the squad in my last two years. And I got um, I didn't get drafted to the MLS, but the second division at the time was USL Pro. And um, I actually got to play in Southern California where I, where I grew up. So I kind of like went back home. Um, 
but it was it was tough it was you know being a professional athlete is hard because people only really see what they see on tv they don't understand all the behind the scenes part of it so especially in the united states playing soccer as it's not it's number one sport it was a it was a grind i was living in a house with like eight other guys you know not making really any money it was just all for the love of the game honestly and so um I didn't play for too long. I think I only played about 18 months and uh, ended up retiring and kind of pursuing a different career. So, um, but now I'm pursuing to be a professional athlete again. And it's, and it's something that I'm not, not used to, but it's uh, just as much work as I remembered. Yeah. I, uh, I actually retired from swimming when I went to college because the difference in and swimming was a grind even in high school. Like, like we were in the pool before school, in the pool after school, had some, you know, what we called deck training, which was weight training and all that kind of stuff outside the pool. Went to college and it got stepped up another notch. And it was at a point where like, I don't love it enough anymore to put in all this time. And so I walked away from my swimming career my freshman year in college. So I can't imagine like even the next step up from that in like a professional league yeah totally and like you said the passion is what's got to drive it you know so um for me like being a professional like you got to commit a lot of time but at the same time your trainings are only a couple hours long you know so like i was i was training from like 9 to 12 and then you have the rest of the day to do your extra work or whatever you have to do and for me um i actually had gotten my personal training certificate my last semester in college when I was training to for the MLS draft and so I was doing some like small trainings on the side while I was still playing professionally and I got to a point where I was making more money training on the side than I was making for my contract actually playing so that kind of transition along with a few other things um, but that kind of like my passion was kind of dwindling and I saw a potential to, to earn in a different aspects all those things accumulating it's a grind man and i work with a lot of athletes to this day and i have that end of career talk with a lot of them and um it's hard decisions but if your passion is not there and your heart is not there then it's really hard to continue yeah in my research i saw that you you were still coaching not like a team basis but individual athletes um and it and it sounds to me like more like that what i call deck work from swimming that like away from the regular training sessions, getting people ready to be a better soccer player. Yeah. And I don't work with just soccer athletes. Um, I train at a facility uh, here in Thousand Oaks, California uh, called sports Academy. And it's a high level uh, all inclusive sports facility with basically everything you can imagine um, under one building. As far as you can, you actually can do your skills training for your specific sport. You can do your deck training, like you're saying, like off the field work. Um, we have a full integrated sports medicine with medical doctors. We have a full um, recovery suite with hyperbaric chambers and saunas and Normatex and um, nutritionists. Like, like everything you could think of that you need for an athlete is under one building. And I am lucky enough and blessed enough to not only be able to work there and work with top athletes, but I utilize it for myself too, because I'm still pursuing my passion. And I kind of like, oh, this is, this is one of a kind that I didn't have when I was in high school, but I wish I did. 
but now I have it now and it's really um, it's really a huge blessing for me. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You work in a facility with all this stuff. Do you get to take advantage of that when you're not working? And if you did, which you said you do, um, what has that done to change the way you train today? Oh, Scott, it's so, honestly, I, it's so amazing. It's really hard to put in perspective for people that have never seen something like that. But really the major things for me is I'm surrounded by greatness. Like we have professional athletes in there daily from NFL to NBA to um, world champion jujitsu to uh, uh, professional and Olympic sand volleyball players. And the list goes on. Uh, professional skateboarders, all people of walks of life that have reached the pinnacle of their sport. And I'm surrounded by those people every day. I might not work with every single one of them, but I'm around them. I get to talk with them. I do work with some of them. Um, I'm friends with a lot of them. And just to be surrounded with those mentalities and understanding how those people are attacking their days and what they're doing and how they think, that's really been a huge um, eye-opener for me because like I said, they're at the top of their, their level in their uh, respective sports. And it's like, I'm surrounded by them every day. So I get to um, see how they are and, and what they're doing, number one. And then secondary to that, with all the uh, equipment that we have, it's um, I work in the facility and anything that you could possibly need is there as far as training wise goes. And so um, that's been great. But the, really the thing that's been... Uh, next level for me is the recovery side of it um i'm not a younger i'm not a young athlete anymore I'm, i turned 30 last october so i'm in my 30s now so the recovery side of it has been so important for me and our recovery suite we partnered with Ele elevate which is um, a company that um, has hyperbaric chambers infrared saunas red light therapy and different recovery modalities that um, i've been utilizing which has been amazing so my recovery protocol has been on a different level this year. And um, that's really the game changer. And like I said, like sports Academy, I'm so blessed to be a part of. And as a top athlete, everything that you could think of to be an athlete skills wise, off the field wise, recovery wise is under one roof and I get to use it. So it's really been uh, really amazing for me. So I've got a couple questions now. So what's yeah. your favorite method to recover of all the stuff you've tried? Ooh, okay, Scott. I have a, I have a routine now. So my, my training or my recovery routine goes, well, I also, like, we also have um, therapists that do massage and cupping and sort of stuff. So I've been doing that about once a week or once every other week. But my daily recovery protocols goes um, contrast therapy. So I go... A cold tub for 10 to 12 minutes and then i go in the hyperbaric chamber whoa, for whoa. an hour 10 to 12 minutes 10 to 12 Man. i i i there's some people like to go colder in less time like they go like 30s and they go for like three to five minutes i'm not that mentally strong <laughs> scott i like to go a little bit warmer i put it my my uh temperature that i like is right at 50 so I got to sit in a little bit longer than if it was, if it was colder. So I go a good 10 minutes or so in there. Yeah. I don't know how people do cold tubs period. Like, like I call it the hoo hoo zone. 
Like that getting past the hoo-hoo zone is tough for me. Yes, sir. It's definitely a mental, a mental test. But the the benefits are for it, and the way that you feel afterwards is for me. It's it's kind of like the hype nowadays. But I've been doing it for a while, and the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Um, and also, it's bringing me back for for cold therapy. You know, Sports Academy had such a big um, like name in California. We actually had Wim Hof come and give us a, a tutorial. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's like the ice master. Oh yeah. And so I've actually met him, gone through his protocol. So I still implement some of the things he taught me, which helps. Yeah. He's like big on the breathing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, you got to hype yourself up to get in the cold. Yeah. So my other question is if, if memory serves, right, this is not in my notes. Um, Thousand Oaks is the home of the Dallas Cowboys training camp, correct? Uh, close. They go to Oxnard, California, which is like two, two towns, two cities down, but very close. Okay. So the Rams, uh, training facility is actually in Thousand Oaks. So maybe you're thinking about the Rams. Um, yeah, they're, they're building, you know, all their training facility stuff is at Calu, which is in Thousand Oaks, California university. Um, and then the Cowboys, they go to Oxnard, California, which is just a couple of cities down and do their um, OTAs there. Yeah, so you're surrounded by a, a lot of big-time athletes. Yes, sir. I get, I get to be surrounded by greatness daily. And um, one of my coworkers, he's a, he's a big – he pushes me a lot. And, uh, you know, as I'm shooting for greatness in this sport, it's – as you're surrounded by greatness, there's no reason why you can't be great. You know, you're, you're, you're doing all the things that it takes to be great. When you see what it takes to be great, there's no reason you can't be. So that's the mentality I've been going, going through, being able to be surrounded by these top athletes daily. It's pretty cool. So one more question before we get into the, the CrossFit specific stuff, and that is your undergrad degree was in psychology. You work with all these athletes on their, their body how much of the mind comes into play when you're when you're training them? Anybody who anybody who works with people or anybody who trains or coaches people knows how much of a therapist you are, just as much of a trainer as you are for these people. You know, it's just like it's so much. It's so much mental. It's um, like I work with general population people as well. So like you're you're just like you're just listening to people, you're giving advice, you're giving difference, you're just hearing people out and you're talking with people. And then for athletes, as far as the mental side, uh, everybody's at that level. Everybody's at the level of really good. And then the things that separate people is longevity um, and yeah, like you said, the mental and confidence side. So it's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of any sport, no matter what sport you're playing, but the, the mental side of it and uh, the preparation side of it, which leads to confidence is such a game changer. And I see all aspects of it. I see uh, rookies who go in the rookie year and get hurt um, and are struggling mentally. And I see, uh, a vet, I see a vet who just signed his second, his second you know, contract who's now making a lot more than he was on his rookie contract. And I see the contrast and the mental the mental sides of and the differences in 
how they're training and how they're looking at the year. It's just really interesting to get a whole bunch of different perspectives from top level athletes. And to answer your question, I would say 80, 80% or more of it is mental when you get to that, the level of uh, where everybody is, the professional level. So I want to dive into the CrossFit stuff for a little bit. And that is you've made some massive improvements over the last couple of years in a short amount of time. Maybe some of the answers are what you have access to from recovery tools and all of that stuff. But the older you're getting, you said you're not young anymore. You're actually improving. Um, last year, you were 95th in North America at the quarterfinals. And this year, you're coming in 12th in the West, which is a massive, massive improvement. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Um, work, you know, like I, I am 30, but I don't feel 30 mentally. I don't feel 30 physically. I'm the fittest I've ever been. And, uh, the way that I've been explaining it to people that aren't super familiar with CrossFit in general, or, or they ask me questions like, you know, you see, you're getting top 50 in the world and, you know, how, how are you there? How do you keep getting like better? The way that I've been explaining it is kind of like compound interest. This is my year five. So I started my first official open was in 2019. So this is my year five and I haven't let off the gas at all for those five years. And it's kind of like when you're investing money into, you know, uh, uh, the banks, it doesn't feel uh oh. We seem to have lost our guest. Um, hopefully, he just got a phone call. There we go. Now he's back. Sorry, Sorry about that. Can you hear me? That's okay. Yep. All good. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, the way that I've been explaining it to as uh, explaining it to people is as compound interest. When you invest, doesn't seem like a lot at first, and you keep putting money in you keep putting work in and you keep putting it in and it's just like oh it doesn't feel like it's growing you don't feel like it the money is getting bigger you don't feel like you're making that much improvements and then you just keep on investing you keep on putting in that work trusting that it's going to pay off you put it in put it in put it in put in and then all of a sudden you have enough of money where it's just compounding and it's doubling to a point where you're like oh wow i notice it now and that's kind of what it feels like for me is I haven't let up for the last five years and I've continued to put in the work and it just feels like my work has compounded to a level where it's grown to be noticeable. Like before is this like small improvement, small improvement, small improvement. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, okay. I can see I'm at a level where I feel that I can be competitive with anybody in the world. So a couple of years ago, you went to Granite Games. I was at that Granite Games. It was so hot that weekend. Mm-hmm. Hotter than like I would ever imagine. I, probably the hottest Minnesota has ever been in its life. You ended up getting heat stroke that weekend. Uh, what did you learn about that weekend going forward to ensure staying healthy throughout a semifinal weekend because you worked so hard to get there and then to have something like that happen in that moment, it had to be devastating. Yeah, that was a tough weekend. Um, yeah, I, 
I learned so much from that failure though, Scott. I, in the moment I was devastated, but looking back on it, it was the best thing that happened to me because that was my first real high level CrossFit competition. That was my first year making it to semifinals. Um, and I ended up getting heat stroke on the very first event. And I basically wanted to withdraw after the first event, but I didn't. And I continued and, oh, there's so much I could say about it. But the fact of the matter is I learned how to manage an event um, because leading up to it, I was so excited. It was the first event. I stayed out in the sun. I watched the first heats go. I warmed up for way too long. I uh, went, I just, I just didn't do anything properly. And I was actually watching some of the top athletes like sitting down five minutes before the event in the air conditioned thing. And I was like, what are they doing? And then it was just like, I was just so naive and so new. It was like, they know exactly what they're doing. And so I learned so much. I got so much experience from, um, experience in managing a competition number one but i also got experience in knowing the furthest my body will go i know what that end line is i know exactly what the 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 most i can get out of my body because my body just shut down and what it also allowed me to do is it allowed me to be grateful to have my body and it allowed me to be thankful to have my body do what I asked for it to do every single day because in that competition, I was asking my body to do something and it just was not responding. It was like, no, I'm not, I can't do what you're asking me to do and it just shut down. And I got really lucky actually because not only did I get heat stroke on day one, I didn't withdraw and end up going out the next day and getting worst heat stroke the next day, plus rhabdomyolysis, um, almost had kidney failure and the whole nine. Like it was bad, it was really bad. So I'm lucky to be able to train. I, I earned great experience managing a competition. I learned what my body, what my body's brink is and I know that I know what level it can go to. And um, I just, I got so much experience from that failure more than any sort of success that I think I will ever get, honestly. So then last year you hit the Mac um, and you finished just outside the top 10 in 13th place. This year you're coming in with a higher seed than that to the West in an expanded field. What kind of confidence does that give you coming in this year to the West in the 12th seed? You only have to make up three spots to get a game position. Yeah. Um, I feel I, I think regardless of where I came in, my confidence level is at an all-time high. Um, just like I said, off the compound interest that I put in. Obviously, a live competition is completely different than any sort of online competition and really anything could happen. So I'm going in, honestly, as a blank slate. Um, the goal, obviously, is to make sure that I stay, get into that last heat and stay in the last heat and, and setting myself up in the second to last heat going in um, sets me up on a positive note, but I'm just going in, um, like I said, really with a blank slate, knowing that I have to earn everything that I got. But I just feel like the heat stroke year in Minnesota kind of, that was supposed to be my last year's Mac. This is how I see myself. I see Minnesota as being my last year's Mac. And I, and I feel like this, 
last year's Mac was supposed to be like my, my year. And I really felt like that. So it felt like kind of everything was like backtracked one year because of me getting heat stroke and I wasn't able to prove what I could do in Minnesota. But going into this year, I have my, my, my eyes set on top nine and making it to the games, no matter where I come in as a seed. Um, I believe in my abilities. I believe that I can compete with, with anyone. Um, I really enjoy live competition. You know, the experience I've gotten over the past three years, especially at the last two years at Wadapalooza, more specifically last year at Wadapalooza and managing a four-day competition, competing as an individual and a team. Like, I just feel like things have set up for me. I've gained uh, my experience that enough experience to know what it takes to get to the games. And I'm, I've been putting in the work and, and I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready. I, that's all I can say, man. I was, I'm ready. I'm ready. So this year, Wadapalooza, the fans were off the chain. You couldn't, couldn't even get a spot. Couldn't get a spot to sit down. What is your crowd, your personal crowd going to be like going home to Southern California for semifinals? Is it going to be like Wadapalooza? <laughs> that's funny you ask, man. So, yeah, it, it is. You know, like I'm born and raised California, um, Southern California, more specifically. I uh, I'm making I'm making T-shirts. Um, it's gonna say Muskie's Mob on it. I'm gonna have a mob of people there, from coworkers to friends to family, everybody. I'm trying to I'm trying to get anybody who believes in me and supports me through this journey to be there. And and I'm planning on having a big section of people being super loud. Like my family's big in general. Like my dad's one of ten, and like I said, we're we're muscarellas. You know, we're gonna we're gonna represent for sure. And I just feel like being in my home state, my home. You know, like I, everybody's coming to me. You know, I am the California kid. This is my home. I feel like it's home field advantage for me, and I plan on uh, making sure I have home field advantage. I just see you like walking out on the floor like Ray Lewis, like. This is my house. Yes, sir. That's exactly how I feel. I, I just feel like I've, I went to Minnesota. I went to Tennessee and now it's coming to me. Like it's, I could drive home and sleep in my own bed if I wanted to, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that see what I do, but don't know what I do. You know, like people see the work that I put in and the CrossFit community is big, but outside the CrossFit community, they're kind of like, you know, I work in a sports facility, not like a CrossFit box. So when people see me train, they're like, what is – even these professional athletes, these Super Bowl champions, are like, this guy is nuts. What is he doing? And so people see what I do, but they don't know what I do. And to be able to come and watch at a, in, in a live setting um, is going to be a really cool experience. I think I think getting back to these regional settings is going to be good for, for CrossFit in general. You know, like all the – the local boxes that know who I am can come and support and be there. And um, you don't have to fly to Tennessee. I think it's going to be a really different experience that I haven't experienced yet. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It's funny. You say that, like that you work at a, a fitness facility, but they don't really know what CrossFit is. I was talking to Arturo Torres the other night and he works at lifetime fitness. And when he works out, he's there alone. So in his mind, he pictures a crowd and you can even see him like hype the crowd up before his lifts in his mind, oh, but yeah. he's doing it in reality, like in his videos. It's hilarious. 
Yeah, that's funny. And then people at the gym are like, this guy, what is he doing? Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, so yeah, funny. totally. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's because like, you know, like like you said, there's this I'm surrounded by athletes and I'm surrounded by people that do fitness and I coach fitness, but CrossFit in at the high level of being a games athlete is different. You know what I mean? And when people see you training at that level, they're just they're not used to seeing people do some of the things that we're doing. So it's just like, it's cool to be able to have like, you know, a jujitsu world champion look at you and be like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, you're crazy. And or like a Super Bowl champion come in and be like, you're nut. Like you inspire me. I want to be like you. And I'm like, well, you inspire me. So it's kind of like a reciprocal thing. That's pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool environment to be in uh, on the daily. Yeah. So I want to talk about coaching a little bit. I think when you first started, I read you started with James Townsend and then you went, you went and switched to someone a little more close to you, less remote. Um, are you still with that person this season? Yes, sir. I am. Um, yeah, James, James was at the beginning of my CrossFit career and, and I'll just do a quick backstory, how I got into it and how I met James. I, I finished playing professional soccer um, I was not playing or competing in anything for about six months. And I still had that competitive drive, that competitiveness inside my blood. I wanted to find something. I tried a few things. I tried triathlons. Wasn't for me. I tried the obstacle course racing. Wasn't for me. Um, my brother was like, oh, try this workout. And I was like, oh, that was funny. He's like, try this workout. He's like, yeah, this is, this is these are CrossFit workouts. I was like, oh, this is cool. I walked into a CrossFit gym. James was um, here in California at the time. It was ended up being his gym. And I ended up walking in to his gym during the open. So like my first experience of walking into a CrossFit gym was a whole community of people doing the CrossFit open. And at the time I had no idea what that was, but I was like, oh dang, there's a bunch of people here. Like, this is cool. And I ended up doing the workouts with no CrossFit experience. Um, I think we got another phone call coming in. Hopefully that's it. And we, there we go. Yeah. Should, should I turn my phone on airplane mode? Will it, or nah, that's fine. No, nah, okay, we we're just used to it. Oh, got it. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Um, Hold on one second. Sorry, I got, I just uh, telling my wife to stop calling me. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but so, yeah, so I walked into the gym, ended up being the CrossFit open and uh, I ended up doing the workout. I think there was butterfly pull-ups in it. I had no, I didn't know what to do. So I did all, I did all strict pull-ups on that, on those workouts and um james saw potential in me and he started coaching me and he's like i want he's actually said i want to coach you and so he started coaching me started doing program programming for me and um so my first couple years were with him i went out to iowa a few times i was able to train with mal o'brien who was he was also coaching her so uh, the beginning of my crossfit career it was pretty like I didn't know who anyone was, but I got surrounded by people that are pretty good. And so um, after Granite Games, when I got heat stroke, 
you know, like you said, I wanted to find a coach that was a little bit more close that I could go to that wasn't remote that could watch me move. So I've been working recently working with uh, my coach, Mike Tremello out of Precision CrossFit, which is in Agora. And uh, he's been with me or when I went to him um, in 2000 and I guess I don't even know what the years are anymore because COVID got me confused. But the year after Granite Games. So 22. Right. Yeah. So I went to him and he said, you know, I believe in you, Phil. It's going to take me two years to get you the games. And last year we went to Mac, ended up getting 12th or 13th place. And this is year two. And we're both confident that, you know, the work that we've putting in, been putting in. And, you know, he puts in just as much work as I do on the programming side of it. He really uh, makes a huge effort to do his research and make sure that, you know, Boz is now doing the, the, you know, the programming and seeing what he's, what his kind of thing is. And, and so, you know, he's, he, I put all of my trust completely in him. He does all my programming for me. I go in um, to his gym and he gets to see me move and he gives me cues. Like I said, I do a lot of my training here at my garage gym, but um, I still go see him, you know, often enough where, you know, we can work on things. So he's been a really big help for me. And he, he told me it's going to take two years to get to me into the games. And we both believe I'll be at the games this year. And um, it's playing out, you know, it's, it's playing out for us and semis in however many days, couple weeks. And we're both really excited. So behind you, I've seen a handful of people kind of walking around. Are those all your training partners? I'm sorry, this Hannah, who's still getting her work in, is my training partner. Um, this is actually my brother's house. My brother, it's my brother's house that has the garage gym. Me and my brother are really close. He's the one that got me into CrossFit. Um, he's, he's, he really, he's the one that started my CrossFit journey. He told me to do those workouts. I did it and um, we trained together. So um, my, my brother and I train uh, Hannah trains and then the other people you've seen is my sister-in-law whose house this is and my little niece and nephew they're around here too so it it is um pretty small as far as the space goes but I have battled back and forth between training by myself and getting people to train with um, I think there's a benefit to both so the past year I've been you know training with more people rather than by myself i do still do a good amount of training by myself but it's always a little bit funner and you know get a little bit of a push from other athletes so hannah is also a semi-final athlete and she's going to be in pasadena with me is she going individual as well she is then she'll need to check her dms because i'm probably going to reach out to her too check your dms hannah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm still working on that list. Um, I do like a group, and that's all my mind can handle in that that time, and then I move on to another group and so on. So, Yeah, no, it's, um, it's hard to find – it's hard to find people that I want to train with because you want to make sure that people – I want to get a push out of it, you know, um, and – it, there's really it's where I live specifically. There's not a whole lot of top level athletes. So uh, me and Hannah 
uh, we connect really good. And, you know, she pushes me in a lot of workouts, even though I just whooped her ass in a workout. <laughs> As he flexes. <laughs> no, but we do, we do, we get a good amount of training in and we get to push each other and, you know, we're like-minded. So it's great to have people like that and, around. Now, is she, is she coached by the same person you are? She is not. She follows Mayhem programming. And, um, but when we get together, we kind of mix and match. Um, we, we do, we don't always do exactly the same thing, but just being in the presence of each other helps. So. Yeah, I can't get that. Um, last question. You make the games. I, I read that for your mental sanity, you like to go surfing. Is surfing still on the on the uh, table while you're training for the games, or if you make the games, you have to put that to the side and, until you the games are over? You know, Scott, that's a good question because I've been very hyper focused on training and doing everything that I can to make sure that I don't leave any stone unturned and keep setting myself up for the most. I'm just giving, I'm doing everything that I need to be doing to give myself the best opportunity to make the CrossFit Games. And being in California, Southern California, my, my safe place is nature and the ocean. And to answer your question, I have um, been putting it off. I've been going to the beach. I just haven't been surfing. I mean, look at Ricky, you know, his thing is mountain biking and he, he got hurt and he put himself out for the for the rest of the season. And that's something that's been on my mind is really surfing, you know, the Sierra Nevada mountains in California have got more snow than we've ever gotten in history. And it's been, it's taken everything out of me not to go to the mountains and go snowboarding. Um, and those are the things that I've been sacrificing for this is I'm just telling myself like, you know, that stuff will always be there. The ocean will always be there. The mountains will always be there. And I'm able to get mental clarity and um, work on my mental health still by, you know, going to the beach and like, you know, like just chilling and, and going in the water, but not really doing all the, the action, you know, the, the action sport stuff and getting out there and going surfing on the big days or, you know, waking up early to go to the mountains when you're getting six feet of snow. So to answer your question, that stuff has been put off to the side. And those are the sacrifices and, and other things that um, I've been I've been sacrificing now because I am so focused on this this goal of mine, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes and and uh, you know sacrifice while I still can. So it sounds to me like Hannah's dropping some big weight just to like throw some shade at you while you're while you're on the the interview. Yeah, she's like, I want, you're on the interview. Let me just drop this real quick for you. Yeah. It's so, kind of how, last it's question. Kinda how I'm sorry, let me interrupt you. It's kind of how Muskie's Kitchen is. It's like, um, you know, my brother has a four year old and a one year old. And, you know, we have me, my brother, Hannah, and another training partner that come in and out. And it's, it's really chaotic. It's like organized chaos. It's, it's always loud. The music's always going, but it's an environment that is, it's a fun environment. And I think when you're training for something so often and you're sacrificing so much, you got to make sure that you're still having fun and training in Muskie's kitchen makes it fun. And I'm really having a really good time, you know, being around my family and, 
and, you know, going for my goal. And I have that passion that we talked about earlier. And it's, it's really a big fire in me. And uh, having this gym set up here at my family's house is really kind of uh, been a game changer for me as well. So I just wanted to, to, to mention like my passion is so fiery and I'm so excited, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And it sounds like the trash talking is on like 10. Yeah. My, my brother, my, he's, my brother is my older brother. We have three older brothers. Uh, so I'm the baby and you know, the, the trash talk and the competitiveness is fully there all the time. And you don't let anybody live it down if you beat them in a workout and we're just pushing each other all the time. And, um, you know, muscarella love is kind of like rough. It's rough around the edges. It's, it's smack talk. It's, um, you know, pushing each other. And I, I've just always, I'm, I'm just, I've always grown to be used to the tough love and, and, just try and win. Just it's always just been competitive my whole life, and the competitiveness is is there. And um, but it's all love. That's that's what's what it is. It's all love. Yeah, the best thing about tough love is you know all those people have your back when someone outside that circle comes at you. Yeah, and recently we we uh, it's been it's been really. I wasn't going to mention this, but it's, I think it's important. Um, like I mentioned, one of my, my, my family, the Muscarellas, my dad is one of 10. Um, one of, one of my aunts, one of my dad's sisters passed away yesterday and, uh, she, she was like the real Italian woman, you know, my dad's one of 10 and there was only two, uh, sisters and she was like the really strong Italian woman that was super proud of her culture and, and always was proud of the muscarellas and the Italian. And she, uh, we just saw her for Easter. And the last thing she told me was, I'm so proud of you. And I see what you're doing and you make the muscarella name. So we're so, you should be so proud to be a muscarella. And um, really I am, I'm really proud. I'm making a Jersey, like I said, for the semifinals and my name is going to be across the back of it. And Muskie's mob is going to be across the front and, I'm just proud to represent my name and, and put my name out there. And um, more than ever, we've come together and uh, really shown how important family is, you know, with her passing. And um, yeah, so my whole, my whole entire life has been based around family and, you know, you just can't take for granted any days that you have with them because you never know. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think I could say anything better than what you just said there. So I'm going to leave the podcast at that. I want to thank you so much for jumping on with us, Philip. And you're going to do this this year for your aunt. I just feel it. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me on. And thank you for um, considering my story. And I look forward to turning some heads in Pasadena. Yeah, and I'll be there. So I'll see you in person, hopefully. And uh, maybe we'll get some sound bites while we're there. Yes, sir. I appreciate it again, Scott. And those people in the in the audience, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast.